Welcome to Money Matters, the podcast that focuses on how to use the money you have, make the money you need, and save the money you want. Now, here is your host, Ms. Kim Chapman. Welcome to another edition of Money Matters. I am your host, Kim Chapman. I'm glad you're listening because guess what? We have something in common to talk about today, money. So how's today's episode any different from any others? I'm glad you asked. Well, the cost of living today is a little bit higher than it was last month. Heck, higher than it was last week. What can we do about it? I'm going to go ahead and start with the quote. I was a little baffled. This one was challenging for me. I looked at all these different quotes and they were just starchy. So you know what? I'm just going to create my own and I want you to help me complete this sentence. The future of money is. I bet no two answers are the same, but here's what I completed or here's what I came up with. The future of money is ever changing. It is constantly changing. Inflation is at a 40-year high, which means, which by definition means a general increase in prices and fall in the purchasing value of money. Either you're spending more money at the grocery store or you're leaving with fewer groceries. And it's not just groceries. Gas prices are through the roof. The national average price for a gallon of gas is over $5 and steadily rising. Everything costs more. And guess what? Our incomes don't seem to be keeping up with the increase. The economy has barely rebounded from the economic impact of corona. When will it come to an end? Well, the Federal Reserve recently increased rates, three quarters of a percent, the first time in over 28 years. But how will this rate hike help us? What does it mean for you and I? Joining me today to answer some of these questions are Chief Financial Officer for Neighbors Federal Credit Union, Jody Caracioli, and Vice President of Treasury, Cassidy McFarland. Welcome, gentlemen. Thank you. Good morning. All right. When I think of you two guys, I think of some number crunchers. But why don't you explain what you actually do on a day-to-day basis? I I monitor the asset liability management of the credit union, look at the risk of the balance sheet, and try to figure out what we need to do to uh, hedge that risk. All right. That really kind of helped me. All right, Cassidy. (laughs) Yeah, I work for uh, Jody directly and in Treasury. We take care of all the liquidity risk and budgeting and forecasting and analysis. And we head up a pricing committee that recommends changes to the executive team. All right. Just like I thought, number crunchers. So let's jump right into it. So the Fed's increased interest rates by three quarters of a percent. Basically, what does that mean? If you have to sum that up before we kind of break it down, what does that really mean? Well, it means that the Fed is trying to bring down inflation to the 2% range, and they're trying to get more tools in their tool chest to be able to stimulate the economy when things go turn bad, when recession hits. So they have to have something in their toolbox to do that, and you can't do it when rates are at zero. So they're trying to increase rates to get inflation down to 2%. And then if a recession hits, be able to lower the rates back down to stimulate the economy again. All right. So in my intro, I kind of talked a little bit about what inflation is. You mentioned the word recession. Can you tell us in just real plain terms, what is a recession? What does that mean? Well, we just it's funny, we just talked about that today, and it's, it's two consecutive quarters of negative growth. That's the definition of a recession. But it just means, you know, it will, it means a you know, downturn in the economy. What we talked about negative GDP growth. Generally, it has unemployment is affected, and then what will happen is the rates will come back down because the Fed needs to stimulate the economy to bring us out of it. So they'll lower rates again to get more people to to borrow, and when they borrow, that increases their purchasing power, which then stimulates the economy, and you have growth again. 
All right. So, so thinking about our consumers that are listening to this, and we've talking about this rate hike, and of course, there's so many different newscasters saying, "Hey, it means this, it means that." If I'm sitting at home and I'm like, "What does this mean to me as a consumer? How is this rate hike going to impact me?" Well, I'll give you an example. We're at the Trends Conference, and I think this is a very relative scenario. A house that that was at three hundred thousand dollars, if you made forty thousand dollars a year. From a debt-to-income standpoint, you would qualify for that house just a year ago. With rates doubling on mortgage rates, now that same house, you have to make $60,000 a year to qualify for that $300,000 house. So you have a significant amount of the population is now no longer eligible to buy that $300,000 house. So that's a direct impact to the consumer when rates go up because now your debt-to-income doesn't qualify you to be able to be eligible to, to buy that, that house. So it's just... Uh, it impacts you that way. And also on the supply chain, when you, because of the increase in building costs, a $300,000 house may be the equivalent of a $250,000 house a year ago. So you're getting less house and you're not able to qualify for the, for the $300,000 value of the house, which is now less because of increase in housing costs than you were just a year ago. So, so, so I know that this has been what we call a seller's market. So, right, you know, you've got so many homes and you've got far more people looking for houses. So, of course, sellers have been able to sit back and just name their selling price. Will this rate hike change that? Will it now shift to a buyer's market? Should I be able to go out now and name my price if I'm looking to buy a home? Eventually it should. There's some there's some extenuating things in the market. There's corporate buyers that are buying up a lot of the inventory. So that I think... The last statistic I heard, there were 7 million people who are looking for homes that no homes are available. So you, you still have a shortage of homes. I think ultimately, though, what will happen is when the rates go up and you start eliminating people from the market, well, then eventually supply will catch up demand and then the values will come back down. So it's all a supply side driven inflation, really, across the board. So we need to get the supply inventories up. Once inventories come up, well, then you'll see inflation come down. So really, we just need to get the inventories up and get the supply side going. Right. And the and the Fed raising 75 basis points is more on the demand side, and that slows demand by raising rates, but they have no control over the supply side. Right. But shouldn't it be good news for people that want to save money, Cassidy? It is good news for people wanting to save money because rates will start to increase for the savers, and they'll be able to get more yield on their dollars. So what type of increases, if you can say, should consumers expect? Because I know right now savings rates have really been little or nothing. I can remember, you know, it wasn't that long ago, maybe 16 years ago when I started in credit union, you know, saving rates were closer to the decimal point. You know, maybe you could aspire to have 1.0 or 2.0, whereas now if you look at them, everything's on the right side of the decimal. So what can we expect? I mean, I would expect to see certificate rates start to move up, uh, high interest money markets, um, bonds, all those type of things. Are, fixed incomes will start to move up more heavily uh, than, I would say, savings rates. So you mentioned certificates, which, of course, we know these are going to be term-saving products. So if somebody has a CD and it's getting ready to mature and we're talking about rates getting ready to rise, what advice or, you know, what are some things that they should consider maybe before they renew that CD? I'd probably look at your personal uh, circumstance to see, you know, what are you expecting or what do you need to live off every month if you're on a fixed income 
or if you are looking strictly from an investment standpoint with excess cash, what's your risk tolerance on if you want to stay short term or go longer term? Okay. And I heard you say investment, which makes me think about the stock market. And I know that there's been a lot of news of how this rate hike will impact the stock market. Can either of you kind of speak to that? Well, basically the the businesses are passing their ex- higher expenses because of inflation onto the consumer, which then slows the demand down for their product. So ultimately, ultimately what will end up happening is you'll see a, a, a reduction in earnings over time. So you'll see a slowdown in earnings. And once when you're investing in the market, you're investing in future earnings discounted back to future present value. So when you start seeing that happening, well, those start getting less and less. So you're not going to invest for future earnings that are going to be going downward. So what ends up happening is the stock market will start reducing in value. And so for people that, of course, are sitting back and wondering, you know, when should I get into the stock market or when should I invest? Because there's so much out there, cryptocurrency. What would you say to a person that's maybe thinking about investing? Is this the best time to get in while stocks are are lowering or reducing? Well, I mean, the old adage is dollar cost averaging. You know, you just you're always from a 401k perspective, you're always buying. Right. So you're buying on the highs and the lows. You need a crystal ball. Who knows? Right. Volatility is is the word for the day now. So it's, it's it's uncertainty. And I definitely think it really depends on your risk tolerance and how you feel about things. Uh, if you're younger, maybe you're willing to take a lot more risk than if you're closer to retirement. You want to kind of secure your nest egg. So uh, I think it really depends on where you are in your stage of life and your personal circumstance. So if you're ready to retire, let's say within the next five to 10 years, What's the most important thing that that individual should know about this rate hike increase? Well, I mean, it's going to increase their savings rate, right? You know, in the, in the short term. And, uh, and, and all of the recessions that we've come out of, the Great Recession, the uh, recession, I mean, the, the pandemic recession, all of that's really uh, the, the savers bear the brunt of that, right? Because as you said, for as long as you can remember, it's been on the other side of the decimal point. Well, it's been low, right? So the, so the money has been... The savers are the ones that have been hurt the most. So when rates go up, they benefit because now if you're a saver, cash is you're making more on your on your savings. So uh, I guess that's really the takeaway from that is that you know that's the that's the good side of it is on the saver side. You know, as a whole, I know as Americans or just consumers, we don't save enough. The pandemic definitely probably took away a lot of the savings that we already had. And so there's a lot of consumer debt out there. How is this change? How is this rate hike going to affect consumers that have debt? What the, what should they be concerned about? Well, for them, it just makes it, it's a very expensive proposition, right? You want to you pay down the debt uh, because the ultimately what's going to be happening is that the rate on that debt is going to go increase up and up on revolving credit, especially, right? So it's a good time to pay down that debt and uh, and not be in it. So you want to uh, pay down revolving debt. Now, debt that's that's financed against a house, well, that's good debt because your house is appreciating in value right now. We've seen that, right? We've seen a lot of equity built in a lot of people's homes. So, um, especially if you have lower rate, when you if you exactly. refinanced and there this low rate period. You have a really good deal right now compared to where rates are, are going. Right. And it's a great time to, to take advantage of the equity you have in your home to do a home equity loan to perhaps pay off some of that debt, that revolving debt. So okay. uh, that's, that's, that's what some advantage you can take on now. And we're, we're, we're really hot and heavy on our, home, on our HELOCs and home equity loans. So great time to take advantage of that with us. Okay. 
And I know, of course, with those raising or increasing rates, it's probably not the best time in the world to get into new debt. But of course, sometimes it's unavoidable. You know, you wanted to hang on to that car just a little bit longer, but this morning it didn't crank or, you know, maybe you just were an unfortunate victim of, you know, having your vehicle totaled. So if you have to go out and make those big purchases, if you have to go out and get into debt, what should be some things that they're looking for to just really minimize the impact of the right rate increase? Well, I guess the good news is historically rates are still aren't that high. Right, relative to where they were, they are, but historically they're not that high. So I think it's still, you know, I still think you you go on with life and move forward and you finance what you need and do what you got to do. Yeah, you might you? you might not be able to get what you want just because of inventory. So you you actually might buy a vehicle that you really don't really necessarily want, but you need one in that circumstance. So just based on the supply side of things, you might be just forced to get what you need. And while I definitely know you gentlemen cannot predict the future, uh, maybe answer what would be some advantages, of course, if they wait. If I can wait to make that purchase, why should I wait? And how long should I be expecting to have to wait? That's that crystal ball, right? That's a good guess. <laughs> if we knew that, we've been a yacht in the Mediterranean right now. But, uh, you know, but I think, you know, it's uh, timing's everything. If you think rates are going to continue to go up, well, it's better to buy, to do it now and lock it in now versus the future because you're getting a, you're going to get a rate at a lower rate. So if you think rates are going up, finance now. If you think rates are going to go down, well, wait. And uh, to my knowledge, no one knows the answer to that for sure. Okay. <laughs> are there any immediate impact or effects that the credit union will experience as a result of this rate hike? Or have you already seen any changes in terms of the credit union or just financial institutions in general? Yes, we're starting to see rate increases now on both sides of the ledger, right? On the asset side and on the liability side. So yes, we're, we're experiencing now. We're also seeing that when our vendors renew their contracts, I think rates are going up. So if on the expense side for us, we're those, our vendors that we use are passing on the inflation increases to us. So obviously it's a hard, you know, our expenses go up. So it's a, you know, we have to then try to drive more revenue to overcome those expenses to uh, maintain a net income. So it's, uh, you know, it's definitely affecting everyone. No one is escaping the inflation. I would say, especially on the, on the labor side of that as well. Yes. Uh, I mean, it's a tight labor market. Uh, it's a very competitive. You have a lot of people moving from place to place. So on the salary side as well, increasing and, uh, and keeping those people here. Should consumers be concerned about the stability of their financial institution? Absolutely. Um, and I think especially if they have over $250,000 $250, because that's the share insurance fund maximum. And uh, But I think we are very safe and sound. Our net worth ratio is, is above par. And, uh, and we, if we get the ESIP funds we're expecting pretty soon, we'll, we'll be as financially sound as you know, any institution you can think of. So we're, we're, we're in great shape. We're very strong financially. Are there any warning signs that a consumer should look for that would indicate that their financial institution is in troubled waters? Yes. Um, basically, just looking at their their call reports and, and looking at their net worth ratio to assets, I think that's a very good indicator of condition or the financial shape of that financial institution, also their earnings. Yeah, and you can find that all. It's all public information on NCUA's website for credit unions and the FDIC for banks. And for people that are not familiar with those acronyms, can you tell them what that, what that means? Yeah, FDIC is the Federal Deposit Insurance 
Corporation and N2A is the National Credit Union Administration. We've been down this road before. This isn't the first recession. Do you see any similarities now versus what we were dealing with back in 2008? I think that was the last recession. Yeah, I think we're seeing a lot of similarities. You have in in the last 2008, you know, we had a lot of deposits coming in. You're flush with cash, and then all of a sudden, you started seeing the runoff, and that's happening to us now. We we had we were flush with cash, and then borrowings have picked up, and so now we're our liquidity is running off and it's tightening. So, very similar in that in that aspect. What were some of the lessons that we learned that we took away from the last recession that will help us today? Never chase away deposits. You know, especially savings account, checkings account. You know, before there was a lot of pressure on institutions because they were such a flight to safety during the Great Recession that your your earnings couldn't keep up with the asset growth. So you were concerned about your net worth ratio, as we talked about, as it, which is an indicator of the health of financial institutions. So you were doing everything you could to, to keep from those deposits coming in. And I think we learned that we, we never want to do that. You want to take them, take them on. You know, take them on and just ask for help from the regulators to understand that, which they're much, after having gone through that Great Recession, they learned a lot too. So they're not as uh, adamant about your net worth ratios if it's if it's being impacted by savings and checkings account, checking accounts. So that's one thing we've learned. Never, never turn those away because one day you're going to wish you had them. And we saw that during this past March 2020 when all the stimulus started to come through. We had a big influx of deposits which drove our net worth down, but the regulators understood what was happening and, and why those things were happening. So, Well, I think I go back to my original statement that I used for my quote, money is ever-changing, and it seems like we're just at the tip of this particular uh, change, and so I'll probably have to have you guys come back again just to, you know, be able to reflect back and see, well, you know, did things pan out the way that we thought they would? What are going to be some next steps for consumers? So any final thoughts? Sometimes things that you don't think will ever happen do happen, and uh, and sometimes they're they're positive and and they're not really correlated to what you would imagine. Uh, like during the Great Recession, we uh, not the Great Recession. I'm sorry, of the recession due to the pandemic when the pandemic was hitting and we got shut down, and people were losing their jobs. We had all time auto loans, so uh, that was a very unique uh, situation that I would have never imagined would ever happen. So. You just never know until you go through it. Right. Try to prepare for the unexpected. Right. Right. Sounds like good advice to me. Well, thank you, gentlemen. I look forward to having you come back and talking about this subject a little bit more. Thank you. Fantastic. Thank you. The future of money is constantly changing, and I don't think that will ever change. There will be ups and downs, but here are a few tips to help you weather the storms of financial uncertainty. First, don't panic. Panic leads to stress, and it's never a good idea to make big financial decisions when you're under duress. Check and recheck your finances. Staying on top of your finances can help you plan for those storms or make the most of financial peaks. If dealing with dollars and cents gives you the blues, connect yourself with a certified financial planner who can help you develop a solid short- and long-term financial plan that can weather financial storms along the way. And finally, Check out NeighborsFCU.org forward slash financial education to learn more on how to use the money you have, make the money you need, and save the money you want.